Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Amen. Aren't you glad it's all about him? Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read an extremely familiar passage of Scripture. Most of you can probably quote it. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. We're going to read that. We're going to dive on into probably the last uh, portion, the last segment of our sermon series on the gift of worship. Um, I'm going to entitle this, Work Your Worship. Work Your Worship. And um, realizing that this worship, that this gift of worship that He's given us, it really doesn't do a whole lot of good unless we're willing to do that. Unless we're willing to step into that. And and I, I think he's calling his church into that. I really do at such a time as this. to Just as Esther was called at such a time to step into the chamber of her king, I think we are called to do the same. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to take that lightly. I don't want to take that calling lightly. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about working our worship today. I do want to thank everyone who was praying for me this week. It was a, it was an exciting week. I will give it that. Um, if you have not heard yet, I had a um, we Stephanie and I had a baby. We had another baby. Only this time it was me delivering, and it's about the size of a BB. And we named him Rocky. had the wonderful privilege of passing a kidney stone this week. And I'm telling you, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the Word of God is inerrant. And it is inspired by God Himself. It is God breathes. It is here. It is to be used for all the many things we need it for. But I am shaking my head and wondering if not the translators got it wrong when they said, by, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. I think that he should have said, faith the size of a kidney stone, you can move mountains. Because I promise you, it'll move. It'll move. It'll move something, that is for sure. And uh, all I know is, is um, whenever everything finally passed and it was relieved and I stared at it, I was, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of myself because me and Brother Mark can, can amen to this. We, we, I was ashamed of myself saying that something that size could move me and ball me up in tears for almost four days. It is embarrassing. But it goes to show you what a little thing in the right place can do. Amen. Amen. So thank you for those that have been praying for me and had prayed for me this last week and prayed for Stephanie because I know I probably probably tested her patience a little bit over the last few days. Um, but I do appreciate that very much. All is good now. All is good now, right? 
All right, Matthew chapter 5. Start reading verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. So do this. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I, as everyone in here knows, that we're not saved by our good works, but we are called to move unto them. And there is no greater work than to worship God, than to respond to God with all that He is and all that He says and all that He's doing with all that we are. And to worship God in every aspect, in every area of our life is the highest calling of all men. St. Augustine said there is no greater calling than to be one of worship and worshiping the highest called. He is the highest and so to worship Him is to step into something so much greater and so much higher than ourself. It is as we step in a calling greater and higher than ourselves that we actually find out that there is more to us and more we can do than what we ourselves can do. We are called to do good works. We're called to work those works. And that work is all a calling of worship. I I wish that there was a group of people that recognized everything they did. Whether it was mowing the yard or going to work or watching television or or going to Walmart. I don't know any of y'all who ever go to Walmart. But everything you do must be a form of worship. In fact, uh, Stephanie was telling me about this the other day, that the Jews believe, or believe that their work is a form of worship. That's why they believe in being so prosperous in everything that they do. That everything that they do in, in work or in rest is a form of worship. That's why they take rest so seriously. All a form of worship. It's a gift, It really is a gift. It's a gift to a higher calling. It's a gift to a higher plane. It's a gift to move out of the chaos and into the order of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. I'm going to ask you before I get any further, what are you doing with that gift? Now we're all given only so many hours in a day. Only so many days in our lifetime. And it is what you do with it that determines what kind of legacy you leave. It determines where you go from here. What you do with that gift can determine everything. I like how Pastor Jonathan says it on the announcement slides when he says that prayer does really change everything. Oh, I wish there was somebody in here that really believed that and would have given me an amen right there. If you really believe that, I don't think your prayers would be sleepy any longer. If you really truly believe that, I don't think that you would just throw up a haphazard prayer. If you really truly believe that, it wouldn't just be a a mental thing. It would be a, a calling out 
a crying out and a walking out thing, if you really truly believe that, it would change everything else that you did, right? Truthfully, you think so? So is it a gift you've taken advantage of? We've all been given the gift of this life and what we do with it is either going to burn up like chaff or it's going to be like treasure stored up in heaven for all of eternity. It really is a gift. Everybody in here, God is no respecter of person. He's given everyone in here 24 hours today. 24. We'll sleep a few of those. I know Sunday you'll probably sleep a little extra. Maybe get a good nap in after a good bucket of fried chicken. Right? You'll get a little extra in today, maybe, hopefully. So maybe you've gotten 8 or 10 hours of sleep today. What are you going to do with the rest of that time? How much of it are you going to give back to the Lord? Who's given it to you in the first place? I don't know a single one of you that asked God to be born. I don't remember it. Right? Because if I remember it, I would have asked him to give me a set of abs that never goes away. I would have asked him to make me a little bit taller. A little bit more, a little bit more handsome maybe. A little bit better this, a little bit better that. I'd make him give me a, a better gift, a bigger gift, a that, a this. I'd, I'd have all of my ways, but I wasn't there. I wasn't there when he decided to make me and create me and put me here within the constructs of my family. I had no say in that. I had no say in who I was to be born to or when I was to be born. I had no say in what year I was to be born. In some cases, I feel like I am an old soul. In some ways, I feel like I should have been born a long time ago. It doesn't bother me to do away with a few of the comforts of life. It doesn't bother me to get away from some, from some technology and not be so driven. In fact, that was probably, if anything good came out of this last week, it was the fact that I got to hand my phone to Stephanie and say, here. And actually, she took it. She said, here, you don't need to mess with this for today. So I actually got to get away from all technology for just a little bit. And I tell you what, it was actually that part kind of refreshing. But, nonetheless... God decided to bless this old crazy world in the great year of 1979. That was the year I was born, in case some of y'all are, y'all are thinking. That means, yes, I'm only 29 and a half years old. I had no say to that. I had no say when I was born. I had no say to whom I was born. I had no say to be born here in this area. I had no say in any of that but I do have a say in what I do with it. I do have a say in where I shine the light. I do have a say in clicking on the on button and working it. I do have a say with that. I do have a say when I'm stumbling around in the darkness and I'm stepping on stuff that's causing me to test my religion. How many of you have ever stepped on something barefooted at night and it tested your religion? I'm glad there are some honest people in this house. The rest of y'all are way too holy for me. But I'm telling you, between dog toys and Legos, my house is a mind trap at night. It's a minefield. It's a minefield at night. And at any point in time, I'm going to be the one that explodes. Right? 
I, but I do have a say-so that maybe there would be something to me to put a flashlight by the bed and use it when it's needed. Right? Hey, God's given you this gift. Might as well use it. This passage of Scripture is familiar. It is also becomes in a very familiar section of Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the midst of this Sermon on the Mount, he says this little phrase, uh, strings together a few phrases and puts it together and calls it the Beatitudes, right? The attitude in which you should be. It's kind of always the way that I read it, but when I read it that way, I don't know if I want to be in that kind of attitude because he talks about being poor, right? And he talks about being persecuted and he talks about when you go through things. And he talks about being more, uh, mourning, in mourning. He talks about being in meekness. He talks about being in hunger and thirst. And he talks about having to hold on to mercy. And all these kind of seems to me like things we don't always want to be. We don't always want to be in mourning, do we? Absolutely not. We don't always want to be in hunger and thirst. We don't always want to be poor and persecuted. We don't always want to be in those things. But maybe it's because I focus more on that than I focus on the fact that he says from his own mouth that it is actually a time for blessing when you're in those moments. That it is when you mourn, you actually are blessed. So often we focus so hard on the morning we forget the blessing. So so often we focus so hard on the poor we forget the blessing. The hunger we forget the blessing. The thirst we forget the blessing that He says in all of these things. And all of these times of just almost like just, just times of chaos and times of disorder and disruption to our life. That was one thing this week did. It disrupted everything. And I had no say-so in that. I, I didn't say, hmm, this week would be a good week for my whole life to be disrupted. Just as we have no say-so in lots of things, this poor young lady had no say-so in having her whole world turned upside down when the doctor gives a report like, you are full of leukemia. I didn't ask for that. In fact, most of us in this day and time, nobody have time for that, do we? Nobody has time to be disrupted. We're not asking for that. But yet it is in this disruption of life. It is in this chaos of life. This is when Jesus says, but your attitude should be that you are blessed. Okay, I can see that didn't go very far. That your attitude should be as if I'm actually blessed. Now I, I get it. It's, we, don't, we don't feel that way a lot of times. And, and rightfully so. I understand that. I understand that when life gives you a slap, you don't really want to turn at least that cheek, do you? In fact, we want to turn downwards. We want to say, well, God, why? And, and, and here's the thing about it. God's a big enough boy to answer you. God's a big enough boy for you to, to for you to give him any of those questions you feel like you need to. God's a big enough God to handle those questions. So here's what I say. Go ahead and ask him. Go ahead and pour that out on him. Go ahead and give him all you got. Give him your best shot. Not in disrespect, but in understanding that there's really no one greater to ask. 
There's really no one else I can turn to or go to. So he says to be blessed is the attitude you're in. Why? Because that's when you begin to realize that that's where he does his best work. And that's where he comes in and gives you strength you didn't know you had. And if, if any of us were to skip out on all of our trials, would we have ever found God the way that we have found Him? I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't. I, I, I know I wouldn't. It was in those moments that, that I got hungry enough to go after Him, and to seek after Him. It was in those moments that I really did turn my focus to worshiping Him. Now, a lot of times it was after I turned to other stuff and did other dumb things. But when I finally came to realizing that, okay, it's time to turn to you, Lord, then I realized that He is, he is my greatest blessing in the midst of this. And he really is the reward to what I'm seeking. So in the context of the Beatitudes, he says, with this attitude then, work it. So it's okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, work it. Work it. If it's your honey, say, work it, baby. Work it. If you need to turn to yourself and say, work it, baby, that's okay. Work it. Work it. You got it. Flaunt it, right? If you got it, work it. If you got it, use it. If you got it, put it to use. If you've got it, if there it is, if the gift's been given, then use it. Right? And that's what he's saying, basically, when he says, hey, you're salt and you're light, right? You are called to make life better and brighter. Most of us realize, don't, don't realize that when we're here singing and we're, we're here just kind of going along with what we're supposed to be doing at the beginning of service because that's what church does, right? When we're singing and we're here in worship and when we're doing that, when we're going through this motion, you, most of you don't even realize just how much better you're making this world. Because you're filling this, not just this building, but you're filling this area with the sound of the glory of God. You're coming into complete alignment and oneness with what heaven itself is. And so, when Jesus says, let what is going on in heaven come down here on earth, that's you. That's you. That's what you're doing. You're in the will of God. Now I know so many people who have stressed out over 90% of their life wondering if they're in the will of God or not. Not even realizing that when you do that, you're in the perfect will of God. And it is when you do that that He has His way of directing you how He wants you to be directed. You are, to be be you are to make this world better. You make it better. You make it brighter when you bring the glory of God down into this dark world. You make it brighter whenever you smile when the rest of the world wants to frump and ground. You make it better when you give of yourself time or talent or tithe or whatever it is. When you give of yourself, when you pour of yourself and you pour it into this broken world, you make it better. And it makes me wonder... Makes me wonder how many times I've been so selfish that all I really cared about was keeping my own salt and my own shaker. Right? 
I've got a flashlight, but I'm not turning it on for you. Right? You in your own darkness. You find your own flashlight. I'm so glad God never did that for me. I'm so glad God didn't say, I'm going to keep my own salt to myself. I'm so glad one day He said, you're in the dark, brother. Here's some light. I'm so glad. And it makes me want to worship. It makes me want to praise. It makes me want to step into His presence. It makes me want to say, God, I need more of you. And God, I hunger for more of you. You make life better. You make life brighter. Salt doesn't do any good while staying in the shaker. And it is times like this that I think that's what God's doing. Come on, how many of you over the last two to three years have sensed just a, an earthly disturbance? Okay, good. We're all in agreement to that. Now, can we agree that this earthly disturbance didn't take God off guard? I'm going to go one step further. How many of you maybe agree that God allowed it to happen for the reason of getting some salt out of the shaker? Right? So now turn to your neighbor and say, shake it, baby. Careful who you say that to. Some of you I got excited, some of you I got nervous. Shake it. Salt does no good without shaking it out. Light does no good without it actually being. In fact, when he says you are the light, look at the, the definition to light. Light is life, it is movement, it is energy and it's called the agent that stimulates sight. That's light. Which means you're the agent that stimulates somebody's ability to see the goodness of God. You are the agent that stimulates somebody out there and calls them and draws their attention and draws their eye to something better, something brighter, something more glorious, something real, something true. You are the agent. But unfortunately, that agent is in a world, right? He, did, he didn't mix words when he says, you are the light of the world. Right? He, he threw that in there. He made sure that we understood the context in which our light is to shine. Just as star, the context of the star shining at night must be a black canvas, so your context is to shine a bright light into a dark world. The word world in the original language is cosmos. It actually has two definitions. It's where we get the same, our same word as cosmo, cosmic or cosmo or cosmopolitan. It's the same, it's where we, same root word. In the original meaning to cosmos, it meant the order and arrangement. It meant the beauty, the symmetry, and the decor of the cosmic order. So in the original meaning, it was to step back and look at the beauty and the wonder and the symmetry and the decor 
of what God has done. To, to step back and look at all of the universe and see how He decided one day to speak into chaos and cause it to begin to spin in such an order that it began to change and it began to move and its beauty is uncomparable. Have you ever seen the pictures from Hubble? Have you ever seen those pictures and you think, wow, God, you did that with just a spoken word. You decided one day to look at a mass of chaos and void and darkness and say, I want to do something with this and I want to show that I can cause this chaos to come to order. And he does so by beginning to say, let there be of all things. Of all things to show the order. Of all things to show that there's order in chaos. It is light. And Jesus said there was nothing made that wasn't made through Him. Says one day I am what? The light of the world. So in the original meaning it is to step back and look at what God has made and realize the beauty of it. The fact that He... You realize God did not have to make it as beautiful as He did. He didn't have to give us the colors that He has given us. He didn't have to make life as crazy as He made it. He didn't have to make this world round. He could have made it flat, even though I know there are some people still arguing that. I would say most of them have a flat head. He didn't have to do it that way. He didn't have to give us seasons. He didn't have to give us trees. He didn't have to give us water. He didn't have to give us beaches. He didn't have to give us mountains. He didn't have to give us valleys or flowers or crazy looking animals. How many of y'all like watching the animal shows on TV? Right? How many of y'all are one of those people that wants to bring all those animals home? <laughs> he didn't have to make it that interesting, but he did. And he didn't just make it interesting for the sake of making it interesting. He put an order to it all. But later, this definition began to change within the Gnostic way of believing and in the mental way instead of the spiritual way of believing. This definition later on changed and shifted to a focus that went more towards the earth and its own systems Especially the systems that had decided to alienate themselves from the God who created it. And so this is why Jesus says, in the world you will have some tribulation. It'll be kind of chaotic. It'll be kind of messy from time to time. But be of good cheer. Let me tell you this way. Blessed are you because I am have overcome those systems. All of those things that have alienated itself away from me, I've overcome them all. All of those things that have tried to describe themselves without me, I've overcome them all. All of those things that have fallen short of the glory of God, I've overcome them all. I'm putting order back into this. I am the judge and my gavel has slammed and I have declared order in my court. And so, in the original meanings, we look at this and say that 
if we are then light, going back to what it's originally intended for, then that means God has not only adorned you and made order come to you, but He's also calling you to be the adornment for this world and the order this world needs. Call it the order of worship. There's an order of worship. We'll get more into that in a minute, but I'm still setting it up. If you are that order, then it is God's way of saying, I know how to bring order out of chaos. That is who I am. That is what I do. That's why I, in the beginning created the chaos in the first place to show that I can bring order to it. That's why I, in the very beginning, started this order by speaking light. And that's why at the very beginning of the church, I'm starting the order by speaking light. Chaos, when it was first made, was only first made to, be, to show the power that God's hand has to calm a cosmic stormy sea and speak peace and order over it. You've read before, God is a God of what? Order and purpose and power to that, right? God is the God of order to that by, sport, by speaking the Word. His Word is light into a formless mass. It began to arrange itself according to what God wanted it to do. Reminds me when Jesus stu stood out on the bow of the boat and the boat's rocking and they're all flipping out and they're all thinking, we're all going down, we're all going under, this is chaotic, this is messed up, this is tribulation, more water is coming in the boat than what it can handle and what it can hold and we don't know what to do and Jesus steps out on the bow and says, hush, peace, be still. I think maybe what he's really saying is, is, I saw my daddy do it, so I know I can do it too. And they step back and they look at him and they, wait a minute, who is this man that can bring such order to our mess? I'm not real sure if you've watched TV lately, but this is kind of messy. This world is kind of messy. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. That mess is not new. It's the same sin we've rehashed and hashtagged it and called it different stuff and put it on different venues, but it's the same thing. Back in the Roman days, they would just do it there on the sides of the street and then do it in murals, but now we just do it on TikTok and put it out there. Right? It's the same sin. It's the same chaos. It's the same destruction. It's the same disorder. It's the same dysfunction. All because it's tried to alienate itself away from God. And all because God's people are not stepping into what they're called to step into. Here's what I mean by that. The enemy loves to interrupt God's order by throwing in some chaos. How many of you have ever witnessed that? Just when things got going good, 
So much so that most of us, I know most of us aren't superstitious, so we say, but most of us, when things get going good, how many of you start looking for something bad around the corner? Mm-hmm. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? Uh-uh, you're not going to burn me twice. You're not going to catch me off guard again. No way. No how. Fool me once, it's on you. Fool me twice. Uh-uh. I'm going to build my barriers and build my walls and I'm going to bring my own order to my own stuff and I'm going to think that that is all I have to do until something from the inside starts getting disrupted. Then what do you do with those walls? See, the enemy starts working. He starts disrupting the order of things. You realize that in Genesis that was the heart of the issue. It was that that Adam and Eve, man, got out of the order of what they were supposed to be in. Let me prove it to you. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. And I think uh, Brother Eli's got that for us. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Whoa. Let me read that again. Now the serpent. Now who, who are we talking about? We're talking about that, that dude that, that crawled up in the tree and gave him an apple. That's why I don't eat apples anymore. Right. Health food's bad for you. It's a trick. Right. No, there's this, there's this serpent. and We have it always in these pictures of this serpent that's up in this fruit tree and he says hey eat this stuff right and we all think no wait a minute how many of you realize that that serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God made and he said to the woman as God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden what it means he's a beast in the field is he not And so God said something to Adam before he ever got to this point about how you're supposed to handle all of the beasts of the field. What's the order to this? What's the order? Glad you asked. Genesis 1, 28. Genesis 1, 28 says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when the serpent came in, he knew he could not usurp the order himself, but what he could get them to do was step out of order. Step out of the dominion that they've been given. Step away out from underneath the blessing that God had blessed them with. The anointing God had placed on them. The calling He had put in their life. The purpose for them. The plan they were to walk in. The presence they were to share God's 
God's love and glory and peace with. And he said, the only way I can do that is if I can get them to step out of the proper order and allow a beast of the field to dominate them. Now, before we shake our head, I've got a snake I'm going to release in the building. And we're going to see who dominates and who's dominated. I love object lessons. Are y'all ready? Y'all, some of y'all are like, I'm not sure if he's serious or not. How many of you uh, think a, any, a, a good snake is a dead snake? Yeah. Some of you are like, oh, that's just a king snake. Just let it go, right? And the rest of us are like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that was just a king snake. It would have been okay. they had a blessing and anointing on them to walk in the dominion of being over everything and when they decided to step out from that covering which is why I said before they were naked and it didn't bother them But now, they stepped out of that covering into a dysfunctional covering. And now, all of a sudden, I'm very aware that I'm not good enough. Right? And so, you have this this, this disorder that's been put. And man stepped out of that order. But even when things seem to get out of order... God has a plan of putting it back in order. His plan, His order, His way that He's established from the beginning. That's why when God steps in and He curses the serpent and knocks him off of his legs and feet and puts him back where? Down to eat the dust. Back where He's supposed to be. Back in a place of submission. Back in a place where he says one day the seed of the woman will crush your head in subordinates. God put it all back in the order that it was supposed to be. God brought order back to this. He cursed the snake. He put it back in there and he said, I'm causing you to go back down. But ever since then, the enemy likes to raise itself up. Ever since then, the enemy likes to cause a little disruption. And ever since then, the enemy likes to rise itself above you and lord himself over you. And that's why a lot of the times we don't feel like we could ever rise above a certain level because we feel like we just don't have what it takes. There's a common theme with everyone I've talked to in all of the high schools over this year, and it's this. I wonder if I'm good enough. And often those that put on the biggest show are actually the ones that are fighting it the hardest. I wonder if I'm good enough. And it's all because the enemy is trying to raise himself over us and dominate us and get us out of disorder and get us out of dysfunction. In fact, that's why Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 calls him the prince of the power of the air. He's rising above us. He's trying to come over us. He's trying to lord himself over us. 
to get things back out of order. Because he knows what our proper order is. And he knows what happens when we really step in and we really worship. And we really be who we're called to be. And when we are who, we called, who God has called us to be, then we can do what God has called us to do. It doesn't work any other way. So many people these days are trying to do without really being. And when you do it that way, you get lost in the chaos. I don't care what you identify as. If that's not really, truly what God says you are, you will never be productive to a miraculous extent, ever. You can act it all you want to. You can even try to be it all you want to. But it will only go to a certain level and you'll never fulfill completely what God designed you to be. I could stand up here and I could act like a monkey. I could do certain things, act it out. I could even start to try to believe it. But that will only go so far. Pretty soon I'll start to look dysfunctional. Imagine that. So instead of being the functional something that I think I want to be, I really look like a dysfunctional something of what I was really called to be. So instead of looking like I'm identifying, I end up looking stupid. I don't say that lightly. I say that literally because if I look at myself and I think, oh, there's something wrong with me and there really is not anything wrong with me, then my evaluation should be on the inside, not the outside. Does that make sense? And so I must go back then to where I'm created on the inside and say, God, what is it you've made me to be? And if I step out from that covering, if I step out into my own covering, those leaves will work for a season. But honey, they'll dry up and they'll crumble up and you'll be left naked again. So there's really, the only hope I have is to get back into the order that I'm supposed to be in. The enemy tries to rise above us and lord that dysfunction over us. In fact, if you go to Ephesians 2, 2 through 3, Apostle Paul says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disorder, disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That word wrath also means chaos. Let me just put it to you this way. If everybody in this world did everything they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, where would we be? 
I'd have way more wrecks because I don't like speed limits. Don't look at me like that. Y'all all got something. Alright. I got all kinds of stuff. I, there, there are times I just don't want to pay for my groceries. I really don't. There are times I want to walk up into Sam's and go get that 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 30 pound roll of filet tenderloin that that $120 tenderloin and just throw it on my shoulder and say see ya I've got steaks to cook. There are times that I don't want to do certain. There are times I want to do things and you understand everybody understand what I'm talking about. So if we're left our own devices then what we're doing is we're getting out of order and we're allowing the enemy to lord himself over us and make us into chaos. No wonder why the world looks the way it, were, the way it looks, right? But God's got a plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got a plan. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. So reading on it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did He do? What does verse 6 say? He put us back in proper order, didn't He? He blessed us. He anointed us. He called us to get back in the right order of things. He said, where you've been under, I'm actually calling you to be, to be over. Where you've been the victim mentality, I'm actually calling you to be the victor in all of this. Where you have not been good enough, I'm calling you to be light and salt that makes this world good. That's His work. He raised you up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus What for what? For what? I think we just came full circle. Didn't Jesus just say, go shine your light, go shine your good works? Why? Because that's what that's the order that He's putting you in. He prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. These words of order. These words of God saying, I know Things look messy, but this is where I bring order out of chaos. I know there's a tremendous amount of death, what looks to be like a mess, but this is where I speak life into it. And what is life at its most basic definition? Cells coming into order. The way they're supposed to be beginning to work and operate. The way they're supposed to work and operate. In fact, when the cells of your body don't do so, it gets very disorderly, doesn't it? He's saying, telling you, 
I have an order for your life. That, that life is light. It's like God said, I know that the world is a bit disorderly, but I'm sending my light down into it. In fact, John 1, 4-5 says, In Him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness can't even comprehend it. That that light shines. When, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, He's talking about a time in which a woman is caught in adultery. And they drag her up and throw her down and say she deserves death. That's the alienated order. But God, through Christ, steps in and says, I make this about coming back into order. And where she had lived her life doing things out of order. I'm telling you, go and sin no more. Get back in the order of things. For I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have that light. He put her back in order. He put the system back in order. Those that said she deserved death, He flipped it around and gave her life. The chaos would give you death, but God has given you a life. But this is why Ephesians also says that He has raised us up for that life, for that work, and to walk in them. To be restored back to the order of worship. Jesus said, I came, in to, seek, I came to seek and to save not who was lost. If you look at the original language, He didn't say who was lost. He said, that which was lost. What was lost? The order of worship. The order of worship. So when we work our worship, especially, especially in the days of chaos, then we actually step things back into order. We come back into it. When we worship, when we choose in times like this to step up in our worship, to having done all stand and stand in the order of what He has given us, the armor of God, when we resist the evil and we be still and know that He is God, we stand in the order in which we're called to be in, in order of worship. Worship brings you back under the same blessing that God gave out in Genesis. That's why when Jesus stepped up, He said, Blessed are you even in the chaotic moments. Let's all stand. The enemy loves to bring in at the darkest hour more chaos. At a time in which you look like you're about to make it, he'll say, let's throw a wrench in the system. Let's mess it up. Let's cause some disruption and disorder. Let's see if I can get you off track. I don't know how many of you have spiritual ADD like I do. Sometimes I know when I finally get on track, something will come in 
try to throw me off. How do I get back? Worship. Worship. How do I get back to order? How do I get back to where I'm supposed to be? I guess what I'm trying to say is, is you were all created to be a worshiper. So how do you get back? Worship. You worship. When the Holy Spirit lit the lamp of the disciples and He called them to go and produce now what God had called them to produce. Lights flashing. Wind blew. Things moved. and Tongues spoke. And when they spoke, what did they speak? The wonderful works of God. God's calling you to a higher plane. God's calling you. In fact, I'm going to quote an old song that I remember. I woke up a couple of days ago with this song on my mind. I don't know why. It just kind of came out of the blue, but when you work your worship, it's kind of like what this song says. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's tableland. A higher plane that I have found, Lord. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's tableland. A higher plane that I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts are at me hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I pray till rest I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's tableland. A higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. The Lord was giving me some music to sing that to. Do y'all see that? God's calling you higher. And when you step into worship, you step into the order. And it's a higher order. It's a higher calling. That's why the world looks at you funny. It's okay. I look at the world funny too. The world can scratch its head at me all it wants to. Because I guarantee I've scratched my head at it a few times. Right? God's calling you up higher, church. When you worship, you step into that.
when we come to the altar, when we worship, when we pray, when we come together, when we assemble, we step higher. We rise above. You know, you want to know how to handle what all is going on in this world? Start shaking it. Start shaking it. Father God, we love you this morning. We love you today. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. The order. Lord, the way that you've ordered our steps. The way that you've made good come out of bad. The way, Lord, that you said you'll work all things together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, the way that you know how to make a message in my mess. The way you know how to work a testimony out of my test. The way, Lord, you know how to call me to higher ground. The way, Lord, you know how to put me back in a blessed order. Where I can be who you've called me to be and do what you've called me to do. Lord, thank you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you know how to shine your light into my mess. I thank you, Lord, that you know how to speak order in my chaos. I thank you that when my heart was broken in a thousand pieces, you know how to remember it together and put your kingdom of God back in it. You know, Lord, how to speak over a troubled mind. If you know how to speak over a troubled sea, you can speak over a troubled mind. You and you alone put Put us back in order. We seek You first in the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And Lord, everything else will be put back into order. So Lord, today, put us in order. Get us in order. Get us in order. Some of you, God says, I'm putting you back in order. You thought you just have been feeling His awareness and awareness of Him and you didn't really know how or why or what, but it's God saying, it's because I'm putting you back in order. Father, do it. Do it, Jesus. Put, us, put your church back in order. Church has put things first. It didn't need to be. It's shaken out. Lord, put us back in order. Put us back in order. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful Memorial Day. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.